Welcome to The Rock Church and World Outreach Center. We pray that this message will strengthen and encourage you. Now here's a message from Pastor Luke Cobray. Well, hello, hello. It is so good to be back here at home. So it is so great to be with you guys today. Let's take a quick moment if you don't know who I am, because it's so wonderful to see some amazingly familiar faces, some kindred faces. But it's so cool is that there are some new faces, and I am so honored and so blessed to see that. So let me just take a quick moment. My name's Luke, and I, uh, I grew up here. So uh, my parents, Jim and Debbie, you know the founding pastors, they've planted this church. And so I grew up, crawled under the stages and all the back walls and did all the little behind the scenes things. And my wife and I, Stacy, we moved in uh, January of 2019 to Central Oregon, to the city of Redmond, and next to it, Bend, to join up with a church that's an amazing church that's doing some amazing things in Central Oregon called Journey Church to start a network of churches that would reach the unchurched people of the Pacific Northwest. And I tell you... It is such an honor to be a part of what God is doing. I, I say this all the time that, you know, sometimes we try to put the responsibility on ourselves that we're doing something. But really, the reality is, is that we're just being used by God to reach people that are close to God's heart but are far from his understanding or from understanding who he is. And so it is such an honor to be a part of an amazing church family at home. If anybody's watching online, just want to say what's up to my people back home. It's kind of weird. I don't know what to say because I say, like, my church, and I mean like my church in Oregon, but then when I say like my church, like this is my church, and so I don't know how to say it differently, like, there, so there might be some confusion when I say my church, it's just like y'all, okay, like just everybody, we're all in it together, but like I said, it's so wonderful to be here, it has been uh, nine months since I have had in and out and I made my parents, they picked me up from the airport, and I made them go right to In-N-Out. They were like, you're, I'm sure you're not hungry. And I'm like, no, 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 no. We're going to In-N-Out because I have not had that. And I have a list of things to have. My wife told me, Stacy, she's at home with our kids. She was like, babe, I need you to bring Miguel's back. I need you to bring some Rosie's back. I need you to get some, some from here. Pastor Joel's like, I got some tortillas for you because let me tell you something. I miss the diversity of Southern California, Central Oregon. We have some Hispanics, some Latinos, some African-Americans in Central Oregon, but I tell you what, my daughter here was the only white girl in her class. Up there, I don't think there's anything but white girls in her class. I'm confused. Like, I always used to say, like, the little blonde girl, blue eyes. That just people are like, oh, that's his daughter. Now it's like, that's everybody. <laughs> so coming out here, it's like, there's real Mexican food. Like, like real Mexican food. Ah! Oh! So, Okay. Central Oregon has some good stuff too, though. So we, we have this restaurant called Spork. You don't have that. It's good. It's Mexican-Asian fusion. If you haven't tried that, let me tell you. Okay. So we moved in January. We've had a, a, an amazing time. Uh, to say it's all been wonderful and great is, is, is an overstatement and also an understatement because God has been so faithful in the process. But at the same time, if you've ever lift, left everything you've ever known for the unknown after 35 years of doing life one way and then co totally removing yourself and moving a thousand miles away from that, I could say it's been incredibly difficult as well. And so it's just so familiar and so good to be here today. I, I was going to preach a message, but I think I might just sit and talk about how good it is to be here. And maybe God, no, I'm just kidding. I'm just kidding. 
Um, it has been, it has been an, an amazing ride, and I'm so excited for what God is going to do in Central Oregon. The staff at the church, at Journey Church, Pastor Keith and John and David and some of the guys that lead that church and uh, just the other parts of that church, it's amazing to see what, the, what God is beginning to work in with the church. It's like, you know, when you can feel, it's like, it's like when you're in the ocean, you know, we can't say this in Central Oregon, so I'm trying to come up with all these Southern California things. It's like when you're in the ocean and you can feel the swell of a wave, like we're in this place right now, I believe in Central Oregon, it's like you can feel the swell of a wave coming. And I know that God is going to do something amazing. And I am just honored. I'm humbled. I'm so graced that God would even allow my wife and I and my kids to be a part of that. And we would not be who we are. We would not be able to do what we do. We would not be able to be, um, you know, moving forward and being, you know, taken care of in a sense of, of just knowing who we are if it was not for this place. And so we are honored to always say that this is homecoming. We are home with our family. I see some of you and literally like family. Family, I see you out there. And so it is so good to see some of you today. And so I'm just thrilled to be with you. I want to speak to you tonight about something that uh, I've just believed. There's, there's seasons when you read the Bible and it's like scriptures just jump off the page. I don't know if you've ever had that happen to you. For me, I would say that it's not very common. I know that I, you probably would like a pastor to say that that happens all the time, but sometimes I read things and just scratch my head and say, God, what are you saying? But there are times when we're reading something or we're looking at something and something just jumps off the page. And what we do at the church that I'm, that I'm a part of in Central Oregon is we as a pastoral staff and some of the staff get together and we study for the sermon together. And so we all kind of get to go. And so we've been in this amazing series of prayer in Central Oregon at Journey Church where we've been talking about what it means to be a church that prays. And we were looking at the section of scripture and as we were talking about this in terms of prayer, the section of scripture jumped off the page. And I believe it's because God wanted me to fly back to my hometown, to my home church, to speak what God wants to speak about this scripture to somebody who is here today. I don't know who you are or what you're going through, but I have never or I have seldomly felt so strongly impressed upon in my heart to speak something specific to somebody here today. So if you are the only person that gets this, I want you to know that you have made this trip worth it. So if you have a Bible, go with me to the book of 1 Kings chapter 18. 1 Kings chapter 18. And as you're turning there, I was just going to reflect back on a memory that I had right before we moved. We were very close with our neighbors in our neighborhood in, the, in Southern California in our street in Redlands. And I remember we were all standing in the front yard talking amongst neighbors and hanging out. I think we were moving some stuff or it might have been in one of the yard sales that we were doing before we left. And I remember my wife and my neighbor and our friends and everybody was standing around and they all stopped and they said, did you hear that? And I said, I don't know what you're talking about. And they said, listen. So everybody got quiet. They said, you don't hear that. And I said, no, I, I, I don't hear that. And they were like, the neighbors talked to my wife. They're like, it's as clear as day. You don't hear that. And I'm like, no, I don't, I don't hear that. And then like somebody else was like, you really don't hear that. And I was just like, I was getting really self-conscious. Like, no, I, I don't hear that. And then it was like, you really don't hear that right now. And I was thinking like, you know, you, you ever feel like somebody's messing with you? And you're just like, are you punking me? 
are you guys messing with me? And they're like, no, are you serious? You don't hear that? And apparently there was this like really high pitched, repetitive noise that kept happening somewhere from the house or from the garage or from a neighbor's house. But I, I like my music loud. I don't know about you. I like my music loud. I like to feel it. I like it when my shirt flaps with the volume. Okay. Like long hair, you know, skinny jeans, probably never, never would have thought that I like my music loud. I like my music loud. Well, that has caused some issues in certain ranges of my auditory, you know, levels of hearing. I don't hear things. So apparently there was this high frequency pitch that everybody was hearing and it was driving them nuts, but I no longer hear that frequency. So I was devoid of hearing. And they kept asking me, do you hear that? No, seriously, you're here. Why are you messing around? I don't hear it. But I was the only person in the group of five or six people that could not hear this noise. It was driving me nuts. Have you ever been in a place like that in life where it's like you hear something and nobody else hears it? Where you wonder like, wait a minute, did anybody else hear that? You know, maybe it was a voice in the back of your head. Maybe it was a voice in your head. Maybe it was somebody speaking. Maybe it was your wife, husband's talking to you like, yeah, did you hear that? Voice, somebody? No, God, no. Holy Spirit, is that you? Have you ever been there though where you've heard something? You try to ask somebody, did you hear what I heard? Did you hear that sound? Did you hear what they said? Did you hear this? Did you hear that? And nobody else hears it. After a while, you begin to wonder like, wait a minute, did I, did, did I hear that? You start to wonder, did it really happen? Did it really transpire? Did I really hear what I heard? And today I want to talk to you in the title of the, the message, if we title messages, the title of the message would be, did you hear that? Question mark. Like, did you hear that? I'm going to ask you, did you hear it? And today we're going to talk about a story of a man by the name of Elijah. Elijah is probably one of the most famous prophets, if not the most famous prophet of Old Testament scriptures. And we don't know much about Elijah before this story. There's, he kind of shows up on the scene in the previous chapter, 1 Kings chapter 17, and just kind of starts doing what he does, what Elijah does, and that's prophesying, saying things, and healing people, and miracles, and signs, and wonders to confirm what God has to say, and so Elijah shows up, and so today I want to look at a story about a man by the name of Elijah and his confrontation by a, to a, a vile king of Israel named, um, named Ahab. And Elijah confronts Ahab about the sin that he has led the people of Israel to. And Elijah hears something. And so today I want to bring that to you and, and to look at this idea of did you hear that? And so in 2 Kings, or excuse me, in 1 Kings chapter 18, 1 Kings chapter 18, I had you turn there. I want to look at verse number one. And it says it like this. It says, and it came to pass, and I'm going to give you a little bit of background. Elijah, three years previous to this, came to the king. This is the first time we see Elijah in scriptures. This is 1 Kings chapter 17. It says he came to to the king Ahab and he said it will not rain it will not do you will not see water in the land of Israel until I tell you it will rain again and it went on for about three years the New Testament tells us three years and six months this drought lasted so here we are three years later and it came to pass that after many days the word of the Lord came to Elijah in the third year saying Go, present yourself to Ahab, and I will, rain, uh, will send rain on the earth. In verse number two, it says, So Elijah went to present himself to Ahab, and there was a severe famine in Syria, or in Samaria. 
And so here we see the story in Ahab, and I'll give you a little bit of background. I'm not going to read all 44 verses that go throughout this, or 40 verses that go through the story. But Ahab is taking out another prophet, and they're looking for a place to feed their livestock. It is so dry at this point that the cattle and the, the, the horses and the donkeys are now starving to death, and they're looking for the last place they can in the nation of Israel to graze their livestock so they do not die during the famine. And while they are searching after three years, in essence, of high Hiding, Elijah shows himself to Ahab. And Elijah reveals himself to Ahab and he says, Ahab, it is time for us to have a showdown. You have led the people of Israel astray. You have taken them from the God of the Hebrews, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, and you have brought them to the God called Baal, a false God. And now it is time to show who the true God is. And so Ahab and Elijah have some harsh words back and forth to each other. And, a and Elijah presents the probably the greatest showdown in Scripture, and that is Elijah presents a challenge. He says, I'll tell you what, let's have a challenge, you and I. Your God versus my God. You have your prophets of your false God, Baal, create an altar, and I will build an altar, and you and I will lay sacrifices on this altar, and we will see which is the real God by which God ignites this sacrifice from heaven. And so he says, he, Elijah gives way to the prophets of Baal. There's about 400 of them and they build an altar and he gives them preference. He says, you pick wherever you want to build. You do whatever you want to do. And so they build an altar and they put a, a, an animal on this altar as a significant, significant for a sacrifice. And so there they build this altar and they go throughout the day pleading and begging for their God Baal to ignite this sacrifice and nothing happens. As the day goes by, they begin to cut themselves, hoping to show their devotion to their false god. And Elijah begins to mock him, saying, maybe Baal is out of town. Maybe you need to talk a little louder. Maybe he's napping and you just need to let him wake up. Maybe he's on the bathroom. So they go on and they go on throughout the course of the day. And the scripture tells us in 1 Kings, tells us that as the twilight began to show, as, a, as was customary time for the evening sacrifice, Elijah said, now it is my turn. And so Elijah takes and he builds this altar with 12 large stones representing the 12 tribes that make up the nation of Israel. And there he lays on this altar uh, an animal for sacrifice. And he says, you know what? This is not enough to prove my God is real. He says, I want you to take water which was a precious commodity during a drought. Southern Californians, we know this. He says, I want you to take water and I want you to pour it on the altar. And they pour it on the altar. I want you to take more water and pour it on the altar. He says, I want you to dig a moat around the altar and fill it up. Let's, let's, do, let's do Lake Mount Carmel. And so they fill it up and there's water everywhere. Everything is soaked. And Elijah calls to God at the time of the evening sacrifice. And he says, oh Lord, I call upon you that they would know that you are the one true God of Israel. Would you come and ignite this fire? And fire from heaven comes and it ignites that sacrifice. It licks up all of the water. It takes everything. It consumes everything. And Elijah wins the showdown. 
Now, this was a showdown, though, to the death. You know, things, things 3,500 years ago were a lot different in the Iron Age than they were today in the modern age. We're civilized. We have laws. We have rules. Back in those days, when you lost, you died. So guess what happened to the 400 prophets of Baal? They went down to the river, and they died. And Elijah and the people slaughtered them. It literally says it slaughtered them. They killed these prophets of Baal. And now Ahab and Elijah are ascending back to Mount Carmel. And it's at this point in the story that I want to pick back up in what scripture begins to write for what Elijah says. And so here in 1 Kings chapter 18, verse number 41, as they've won the showdown and Elijah has proven his point to Ahab. Now verse number 41 comes along and Elijah says these words. He says to Ahab, Ahab, to go up and to eat and to drink, for there is the sound of abundance of rain. This has been a three-year and six-month drought. And now we're not talking about low rainfall. We're not talking about below average rainfall. This is zero rain and zero dew. It was so dry in the land that dew did not form on the petals of a flower during this period. And so after three years and six months, Elijah says to Ahab, I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. Did you see what he did right there? He said it. He did what, what, what we sometimes do. He did what my family did to me and my friends did to me. They said, did you hear it? Ahab, go get ready because I hear the sound of abundance of rain. And Ahab's like, what? Where? What are you talking about? I love the translation here. It says that the sounds, other translations say the sound of heavy pouring rain. The literal translation in the Septuagint or the Greek, the Greek translation of the old Hebrew scriptures says, I hear the sound of the footsteps marching of heavy rain. The thunderous sound of rain, Elijah speaks it, and now something is about to happen. He heard it, he said it. So Ahab, verse number 42, went up to eat and he went up to drink and Elijah left Ahab and he went up to Mount Carmel to the top of Mount Carmel and he put himself down to the earth and he put his face between his knees a posture of prayer here's what's so fascinating fascinating about this is that Elijah had heard the sound of the abundance of rain and so when Elijah heard from God guess what he did he went right to God in that I wonder how many of us in the course of our lives have heard something from God, but have failed to go to God about what we have heard. We've gone to our friends, we've gone to our advisors, we've gone to social media, we've gone to people around us, and we say, what do you think about this? But I love what the scripture tells us that Elijah withdrew from everybody else and he got down on his knees. He put his face to the ground in a posture of prayer and a posture of submission to God and he prayed to God. He heard it and he went to God about it. And right after Elijah announced this, he went, you know, sometimes I wonder, we hear things. God speaks to us in our heart, speaks to us through a sermon, speaks to us as we read the scripture through a devotion, in a conversation, in a sunset, whatever it might be. We hear something from God, but are we afraid to speak it? Because you can hear something 
And you can hold it in all along. And that's called a secret. But you see, Elijah heard from God and Elijah spoke it. I hear the sound of the abundance of rain. And the moment Elijah spoke it, this is my problem all the time, I am the king of putting my foot in my mouth every time I open my mouth. I seem to chase my words to try to get them to go back in, but they never do. The moment you open your mouth and the moment you speak something, you are now accountable for what you have said. And the moment Elijah said, I hear the sound of rain, he was now accountable to deliver to the rain that he heard. And I wonder, how many of us are walking around today afraid to be accountable to the sound that we have heard from the voice or the spirit of God and we're holding it in like a secret saying, someday if this happens, I'll tell everybody I knew it. But here Elijah is saying, I'm putting that out before anything else happens. I am saying it now, it's gonna rain. Elijah said it was going to rain. And then the verse goes on and it says, verse number 43 of chapter 18, he said to his servant, go up and look to the other side and go look to the sea. So he went up and he looked and he ran back to Elijah. There's nothing. <laughs> so Elijah did what anybody else would do. Go look again. So he runs back to the other side and he looks at the Mediterranean and he runs back to Elijah. There's nothing. Everybody's starting to look around. Elijah's got his head between his knees. Seven times he said, go again. Seven times he told his servant, go and look for the sound of the rain because I know it's coming. And seven times, six times, he came back and said, there is nothing. Nothing. He heard it, but he couldn't see it. And we live in a visual world today. We live in the age of knowledge and understanding. When if I say something or Pastor Dan says something or anybody says something that piques your interest at a moment's notice, you can pick up that cellular device and Google it to fact check if it's actually true or not because we want to see it. We want to understand it. We want to know that it's happening, but here Elijah heard it, but he could not see it. And I think it is at this point in many of our lives as followers of Jesus that we give up. Because you heard something but you could not see it. You heard rain, but all you saw is drought. You heard peace, but all you saw was anxiety. You heard restoration, but all you see is brokenness. 
And I think this is the crux of our faith in which many of us, because we cannot see what we have heard, we give up on our faith. And like with your friends or with the people who are around you, when you say, did you hear that? And they say no. You began to question whether or not you heard it yourself. Well, maybe I didn't hear peace. Maybe this issue that I cannot escape is just my thorn in the flesh and it must just be this. Maybe this marriage is just supposed to end anyways. And you began to believe the lie that God did not speak to you. And my question tonight is how do you handle hearing and not seeing? Because I believe this will make or break you in your walk with Jesus. Because let me take a moment right here and just pause from this story and take you to some biblical defining. The author of the letter of Hebrews in whom we do not know wrote, gives us a very clear and poignant definition of the term that we call faith. And it says this in Hebrews chapter 11, verse number one, it says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Look at what it says. Wait a minute. <laughs> the evidence the proof, the fingerprint that gives it away of things not seen. And we have lived and been groomed and grown in a culture that says, if I can't see it, I don't believe it. That if I don't understand it, it must not exist. That if it cannot be explained logically, it must not be real. Here, the very definition of faith is that it's the proof of things you cannot see. And Elijah didn't say to his servant, well, what must not have happened? And you know, the fire thing was cool, but the rain thing, maybe not. I must not have heard from God. I was wrong. No. He said, go again, go again, go again, go again, go again, go again, go again. Jesus says to his disciples after they questioned him time and time again, he says, how must, long must I endure you of little faith? He says, when the son of man returns, will I find faith on this earth? But I don't see it. It's not happening. It's not working. It's not coming to pass. 
God, I had a five-year plan and it's seven years. Maybe this isn't the God. Maybe it should have been that God. Maybe this isn't the church. Maybe it should have been that church. Maybe this isn't the religion. Maybe I should have done that. Maybe it's science instead. And we begin to wonder and question what God spoke into our hearts from the very beginning. Will I find faith on the earth? And so Elijah, back to the story. Verse number 44 says, then, I love this language, then it came to pass. Come on, somebody. It came to pass that on the seventh time, I can just imagine, I've been on Mount Carmel three different times and three different seasons, and I know this, that it is dry, it is hot, and it is hilly. And so when his servant came running back, I'm guessing that he had to stop for a moment after running to the other side of the hill and say, Number seven, Elijah's like, what did you see? I see a cloud. How big is it? It's like the size of a guy's hand. You know what you see that Elijah didn't say? Go back and look again. But look what Elijah says. I see that there is a cloud as small as a man's hand rising up from the sea. So Elijah says, go and say to Ahab, get on your chariot before the rain stops you. See, this is my problem. All day long. I say, God, I need to see it. And then God lets me see it. And it's the size of a man's hand over the sea. <laughs> but wait, God, I had a dream. It was big. It was huge. It was so wonderful. And God's like, <laughs> just give me Pats me on the head like, you're so cute. Aren't you just so sweet? This is my problem every time, every time. It's the size of a man's hand. It's not a hurricane. It's not a tropical storm. It's a little cloud coming out of the sea, the size of a man's hand. But can I bring you back just a, maybe a day or so earlier? There wasn't a cloud in the sky and fire came out of the sky. So if there wasn't a cloud in the sky and fire came out of the sky and licked up all of the altar, do you think a small cloud is too small for God? See, sometimes we see it, but we don't want to see it. And Elijah says, Ahab, get on your horse and get going because rain is coming. It came to pass. It came to pass. I love that language. Some of you, someone here today, you are on the verge of it coming to pass. Do not give up what you have heard. It will come to pass. 
And maybe you have been in a season where you say, look again, look again, look again, look again. And you're about ready to give up. But I love how the scripture writes, and it came to pass. And here we finish with the scriptures in 1 Kings. And it says, now it happened. Now it happened. In the meantime, while Abraham, Ahab was mounting his chariot, the heavens grew black with clouds and wind and there was a heavy rain. And Ahab rode away and went to Jezreel, the capital of the kingdom of Israel. The Bible tells us in the next scripture, I don't have that on there, I don't think, but it says Elijah picked up his skirt, tucked it in, and he outran a chariot about 17 miles, Mo Farah, Usain Bolt style, all the way to Jezreel and met Usain Bolt right there at the city gates. But I love this. And it happened. You see, maybe right now you're in the meantime. Maybe that you heard, but you're not seeing. That's called meantime. I came here. Maybe it's this. Maybe it's this while you're in the meantime that God had this scripture stand out to me a week and a half ago so that I would get on an airplane and fly back to my hometown to speak at my home church to tell somebody in this auditorium that even though you are in the meantime, don't give up. Hold on to what? you have heard. Hold on to what you have heard. Maybe you heard rain, but all you see is drought. Maybe you heard peace, but all you see is anxiety. Maybe you heard restoration, but all you see is brokenness. Maybe you heard healing, but all you feel is sickness. Hold on to what you have heard. Because that is called meantime. God is faithful to his word. Because can I bring you back to the very first place that we started? Abraham said these words before to Ahab. He says, I hear the sound of an abundance of rain. Do you know what that sound sounded like? It was not a thunder crackle. It was not a gust of wind. It was not the breeze off in the distance. Here's what that sound sounded like. We read it. Did you hear it? Verse number one. And the word of the Lord came to Elijah and said, present yourself to Ahab and I will send rain. Before the showdown, before the fire from the sky, before the killing of all of those prophets, for any of that, the sound of rain had already rung. The word of the Lord came to Elijah and said, I will bring rain. Pastor, I don't know, it's been so long, how do I know if it's actually God that's even speaking to me? Paul writes in his letter to the church at Rome, in Romans chapter 10, says that faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. 
As a pastor, one of the biggest dreads I have over a coffee or a table or a conversation is these words, pastor, God told me. It's the trump card on the table. God told me I'm gonna, I'm gonna leave my wife. God told me I'm gonna do this. God told me it's okay to keep smoking. God told me it's all right. No, he didn't. Because let me ask you this, faith comes by hearing and hearing by the word of God. How do I know if it's God that's speaking to me, does it confirm the word and the will of God through scripture? Is it in the characteristic of Christ in the New Testament? Can you find that biblically? The word of the Lord came to Elijah. Guess what, church? That was a lowercase w in word. We, through the book of John, have an uppercase w. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. That's Jesus. You have the power of Christ on the inside of you when you make a commitment to follow him with your life. Now everything begins to change and you now have the voice of God speaking to you. So in the meantime, hold on to what you have heard because it will come to pass. Two years and three months ago, I was sitting in a conference in Birmingham, Alabama, when the voice of God impressed upon my heart these scary four words, you can do it. And I knew that God was saying, you can leave your mother, you can leave your father, you can leave your friends, and you can leave your family, and you can start a church in a crazy place that you don't know about. You can do it. There has not been one day, I would go as far as to say, there has not been one hour in one day when I have not woken up or I have not looked at myself in the mirror or I have not thought to myself, I don't think I can do it. There are days that I wake up and I say, God, I don't think that was you. I think that was the Southern food. Hold on to what you have heard because it will come to pass. And I leave you with this. Elijah's great, but I think Jesus is better. There's a story about a man from Galilee named Jesus. Maybe you haven't heard of him. He died on a cross for you and for me. And on the third day of his death, after being laid in a tomb, he was resurrected from the dead. And he appeared, oh, come on, somebody. He appeared to a bunch of ladies in a garden. And when people, oh, I'm gonna get on a soapbox for a moment. And when people are saying, go home, nobody all know about that one. Come on, I'm gonna preach this one. When there are people who are saying about women, go home, Jesus is saying, go say something. I found a biblical definition in the Bible of women preaching, sorry. Okay. And they went and they told the people and the disciples that Jesus had resurrected from the dead. And there was one of them named Thomas who was like you and who was like me. And said, you know what? 
Unless I see the scars of the nail in his hand and unless I can put my hand in his side in which they pierced, I will not believe. And just like that, boom, Jesus showed up. 21st century translation. He's like, what's up, Thomas? Here's my hand, bro. Pulls up his skirt like, here you go. And Thomas falls to his knees and he says, my Lord, my God. The revelation of who Jesus Christ was. But let me leave leave you with this. Let me leave you with this. Jesus says these words in John 20, 29. Thomas, because you saw, you believed. Blessed are those who have not seen, but yet believed. Hold on to what you have heard. Amen. Amen. Come on, somebody. I tell you this, I love my organ friends, but I miss somebody shouting the preacher down. Hold on to what you have heard. Because it'll come true. It'll happen. Grab a seat, sit down, sit down. Come on, y'all Pentecostal crazies. Thank you for listening to the Rock Church and World Outreach Center. If this message spoke to you, please share it with us. We'd love to hear from you. You can find more information at www.rockchurch.com.